The reading is on page 866 of the Pew Bibles, the Gospel of John, chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. Before we start, I'll just say a short prayer. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to hear your word, and thank you too for the rich reward we have in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for what the Bible tells us of the life and ministry of Jesus, and for the faith he encourages in all of us to have in the power of God's love. Amen. So John chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival, because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, Where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He is a good man. Others replied, No, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, Please do keep your uh, Bibles open. You'll need them to uh, follow along this morning. We're actually going to be looking at uh, half of John chapter 7 uh, this morning. Well, knowledge is bacon. Or should I say, sorry, knowledge is power. It was Sir Francis Bacon who said that. Knowledge is power. We want to be in the know. We want insider knowledge. And with it, we think we can get ahead, financially ahead. In our career, we can get ahead. We might buy the right shares or the right house that will increase over the years. Gamblers will bribe to get insider knowledge on the horse on the cricket pitch. Knowledge is power. And with the right knowledge, we think we can make the better we can make better decisions in life. And in fact, we can spend so much money and time trying to gain this wisdom. Whether at university, speaking to financial planners, uh, reading books, watching YouTube videos, you, you name it. But what about when it comes to the big decisions in life? Do we stop and reflect on these things? What will happen after I die? Who is God? What does he require of me? Now, we might have an opinion on what we think about God. I think this or that about God. But how do we move from opinion to fact, from assumption to knowledge? Because this knowledge is vital uh, to the future and it's a matter of life and death. We need the right knowledge. And there is only one way to get this knowledge and that is by revelation. By God revealing it to us. By God letting us know. You see, there's a danger in thinking that I can find God by myself. If I go on this spiritual journey, if I visit spiritual places and books and and meditate, then then at the end I might be able to find God. 
But how do we know then in that that we haven't just made up a God of our own, of our own imagination, one that, that suits our needs, a God that we can tolerate? But if we are to know the true and living God who created all things, we need to be aware that we need to understand that He is far bigger than our feeble minds can comprehend. He's far bigger than our own understanding. We can't fit God in a box. How arrogant and foolish to think we can. It's like something C.S. Lewis once said uh, about Hamlet. Hamlet is a a character uh, in a Shakespearean play. There is no way that Hamlet, a character, can ever meet Shakespeare, the author. He won't be able, he could search all through the play and go up into the roof of an attic or something and, and try to find, but he will never find Shakespeare despite the fact that Shakespeare is is present at every moment, at every point of the play, uh, as the one who wrote it. You see, he's not present like the other characters. The only way for Hamlet to meet Shakespeare is if he writes himself into the play. And just like Hamlet, we are limited in our understanding of God unless God reveals himself to us. And God does through the person of Jesus. Throughout uh, John's Gospel, which we've been looking at this year as a church, we have seen again and again that Jesus has come down from heaven, that he's sent by the Father. He's there to reveal the things of heaven, to reveal things that we cannot know unless we are shown and told. Jesus has revealed his true identity as God himself. Through the the wonderful signs and miracles he's performed along the way, Jesus shows that he does what only God can do. That Jesus is God in the flesh, God's promised future King, the Messiah. We saw in John 1, right at the very beginning, we saw that no one had ever seen God and yet he's made himself known through Jesus. If we know Jesus, we can know God. People have received Jesus in so many different ways. People have been offended by him. Some think he's good. People think he deceives. Others want to kill him and yet others believe. And yet the reality is they've all seen the same thing. And yet they all respond in such different ways. But there is a right way to know Jesus. God's revelation to us. It's only as we come to know Jesus as God's revealed it to us that we can believe and have life. Well, in uh, the passage that uh, David read for us uh, today, we saw that Jesus has been staying around in Galilee. Uh, He's avoided going down south into Judea because the Jewish leaders, well, they want to kill him. Uh, Ever since he's healed a paralyzed man, the Jewish leaders have wanted to kill Jesus because he claimed to be equal with God. We saw that in, in chapter 5, verse 18. But you see, there's this special celebratory event that's about to happen, and that is the the festival of the tabernacles. This this festival was really, really popular. Heaps of people would flood into Jerusalem for it. It was always celebrated in around September, and it was a a, a festival of of thanksgiving. A great thanksgiving as, as God provided for his people in the present, but also in the past that God provided in in the present by providing for them in his current harvest uh, that they've received, but also the way that God had provided for them in the past 
as they had wandered the wilderness for 40 years. It was a great celebration of God's provision in the past, of God's provision. And large numbers of people would flood into Jerusalem for it. And people would travel in big groups together. So people from, from Galilee would travel down together. And so Jesus' younger brothers say, they urge him, come, come with us, let's go, let's go check out Galilee and show yourself to the world. Have a look there at verse 3. Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. You see, what we saw last week uh, at the end of of chapter 6 was that many of Jesus' disciples had taken offence at his teaching. Uh, And so many had given up the faith. They didn't want to follow Jesus anymore. They turned their back on him. And so this massive crowd of disciples has, has been reduced to 12. And so the brother's advice? Well, prove yourself to the world. Show off to the world your, your marvellous magic sign show. Then you might be able to reverse your misfortune of all these people leaving you. Prove yourself. Then you'll become a great public figure, Jesus. But we see there, verse 5, that that his brothers don't even believe. And so in response, Jesus explains why the world hates him. Have a look there from verse 7. The world cannot hate you. The world doesn't hate them because they belong to the world, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. We can have this romantic view about Jesus that Jesus wandered around the place, that he was loved and popular and people thought he was wonderful. But the world hated Jesus. You see, Jesus proclaimed that its works were evil. He exposed the sinful heart of humanity and the world hated him for it. You see, Jesus exposed the evil and sinfulness of the world And he exposes the evil sinfulness of of our own hearts. Now this might put some of you on on edge, like I'm saying that you're a bad person or I'm making a a character judgment here, but but that's not what I'm saying. A sinful person is someone who says no to God. We don't want God as the ruler and maker of all things. We don't want him to rule our lives. Look, we may, we may believe in God, that there's a God. We might, we might even pray sometimes and come to church. But when push comes to shove, we want to be in charge. We want to take center stage and push God out the way. And so we end up playing the, playing the role of God. But you know what? We might not even realize that, that we do this, but we can so easily drift into doing it. You see, Jesus exposes to the world that that we are evil and sinful and Jesus is hated for it. But you see, that's the beauty of Jesus. See, when the right time, at the right hour, he came and he would be falsely accused and crucified. He would die in our place, taking the punishment for our evil. And see, when we trust in him, we are saved. 
as we've seen again and again in John's Gospel, when we believe in him, we have life. Jesus exposes the evil of the world and is hated. And as Christians, we are to expect the same. If we are to hold true to the teaching of of Jesus in the Bible, evil will be exposed and the world will hate us. I think it might have become quite real for us last year and, and continues today if we are to hold true to what the Bible teaches on marriage. We will be hated, persecuted. We may lose our jobs. We will certainly lose friends. But you see, from experience, when I became a Christian, it was only after, for me personally, when I, when I came to see my evil heart and, and as the evil was exposed in my life, that I was then able to, to turn away from my sin and turn to Jesus and to come and know him and believe and be saved. Look, we can have this romantic view about Christianity today. The we can be popular and successful and wealthy and be a follower of Jesus at the, at the same time. But just like the robust criticism Jesus received we should expect the same robust criticism today as as believers. It's not going to be easy, it will be difficult, but we know that God is with us. He is for us and will hold us until the end. Because as we saw last week, Jesus is the only one with the words of eternal life. The world hates Jesus because he exposes its evil heart. Well, Jesus' brothers, they urge him to go up to the festival. But Jesus explains that the time is not right. Have a look there from verse 8. Jesus says to them, you go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. You see, Jesus' itinerary, his schedule was not going to be set by his brothers. His itinerary is set by his Father in heaven alone. We saw that in John 6, uh, 38, that he doesn't do anything on his own accord, but in full obedience to the Father, to his Father. And so the time was not right. But after his brothers leave, Jesus goes to the festival in, in secret and say, has Jesus lied to us here? And And I want to say no, he hasn't, because he wouldn't go to the festival when his brothers determined, but would only go as his father told him to go. And the reason why it was probably not a great time to go then is because everyone was looking out for him. Did you see that in verse 11? The Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus, and and we saw in verse 2 what their motive was. They were seeking to kill him. But everyone was talking about him. And and although this was his his third and and final trip down to Jerusalem, it's still six months away, still six months until the time fully comes when he would be arrested and crucified and glorified. And so he doesn't go when people expect him to go so that he's not given this, this triumphant entry too early because it wasn't the time. That time would come. Look, I wonder if you know the owner of uh, this car. It's a uh, Toyota Prius. It's worth about $30,000. Uh, 
Well, it's uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Can you believe it? Look at that. He also drives some other hybrid... I, look, I, I, I removed it. I don't even know the name, but there's another slide with some other fancy hybrid car. He's got quite the car collection. He likes cars. And yet, he drives a Toyota Prius. And I get it. I get it. He's famous and doesn't want to draw, un, uh, doesn't want to draw attention to himself like he would driving a, a hotted-up supercar. And so he drives a car like the rest of us without drawing attention to himself. And so as Jesus heads into the temple, uh, heads into the festival, he doesn't want to draw uh, attention to himself. And so he goes at the right time set by his father. Well, at the, at the right time, according to God's schedule, Jesus begins to teach. And the crowds, well, they're impressed by Jesus' authoritative teaching. Uh, verse 15, have a look. Have a look there. The crowds say, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? You see, we've seen it again and again that Jesus teaches quite differently. He would say, Jesus would say, very truly I tell you. But that is very different from how the rabbis would teach of the day. The teachers of the day, the rabbis, they would rely heavily on what rabbis had said in the past. They would teach based on previous judgments. This rabbi said this and that rabbi said that. And if they didn't teach in that way, they would be considered arrogant, like they were drifting away from tradition. And yet Jesus, as, as he teaches, he doesn't claim independent thought either. He's no inventive upstart. Verse 15, have a look there. My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. We've seen again and again that Jesus is the one who has been sent from his father in heaven. And Jesus says his teaching is not his own. It is from God who sent him. But you see, it's what Jesus says in verse 17 that is most, most challenging, particularly for the Jewish authorities, I think. Have a look there from verse 17. Let's continue. Anyone who continues to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. You see, Jesus says here that the person who does God's will that person will be able to see that my teaching is from God. They will be able to confirm that Jesus' teaching articulates God's will. If one does God's will, they'll see that Jesus' teaching is from God. Let's continue there, verse 18. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Jesus isn't speaking about his own glory. He wants to seek the glory of his Father in heaven who sent him. And while this is kind of heavy going, the, the argument here, what Jesus is actually doing here is, is challenging the understanding of the Jewish people of the day in their understanding of the law of Moses. You see, to them, they thought that if they kept all the rules of Moses, if they kept all the rules, if they did them perfectly, then they would be doing God's will, that, that God's law and God's will were linked. They did the law, they did God's will. But you see, Jesus points out there in verse 19, did you see that? That they don't keep the law. In fact, none of them keep the law, and so they do not do God's will. 
And the reason Jesus explains they do that is because they are seeking to kill him. You see, they they desire to kill Jesus, an innocent man, and it's nothing less than attempted murder. They are lawbreakers. They don't keep the law. They don't know God's will. They don't realize that his teaching is from God. And yet Jesus is a man of truth. He can be trusted. Who alone seeks God's glory and is characterized by complete obedience to the Father. And the reason the Jews wanted to kill him was because Jesus had healed a man paralyzed for 38 years, but that he had done it on a day, the Sabbath day, a day of rest. But you see, their thinking, it was all flawed. They focused on these superficial things, superficial understanding. Verse 24, have a look there. But stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. You see, they judge Jesus' actions with wrong understanding, not according to God's standards. If they had approached Jesus by faith, they'd have seen that Jesus is no lawbreaker, but he's the one who fulfills the Sabbath. They fail to see that what Jesus does confirms who he is, that he is God in the flesh, the promised Messiah. They don't get God's will. They don't understand that his teaching is from God. And while his authoritative teaching confirms, reveals his true identity, the way Jesus is received is very different depending on who it is. You see, the people were divided about what they thought about Jesus. And so the people in Jerusalem, they wondered, have a look there at verse 25, the people of Jerusalem, they wondered, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah. You see, they're wondering, are the leaders, are they in the know? Do they think Do they think that Jesus is the Messiah? But we see what they really think in verse 27. Have a look there. But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. You see, they know Jesus can't be the Messiah Because the teaching of the day said that when the Messiah comes, he will come without warning. He won't be known. He'll just suddenly rock up and bring about Israel's great redemption. But you see, they know Jesus. They know he is from Nazareth and nothing good comes out of Nazareth. But you see, they judge by what they thought they knew. They hadn't taken in God's revelation. Jesus had performed these incredible signs and revealed his true identity. He is the Messiah, but you see they based their knowledge on wrong information and used their knowledge to remove God's revelation. And so Jesus replies to them in verse 28. Have a look there. Yes, you know me. And you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, 
But I know him because I am from him and he sent me. Yeah, you think you know me, you pick up the irony there, but there's lots you do not know. Their knowledge is ignorant because Jesus wasn't born in Bethlehem. He was born where King David was born, in Bethlehem, conceived by the Holy Spirit, a virgin birth. Joseph is not his father. His father in heaven is who sent him. They do not know him. You see, they make wrong judgments based on wrong knowledge. They do not let God's revelation of God himself reveal himself to them. Jesus revealed these truths and they do not believe. We hear today many different claims about God. People base people have so many different opinions about God. People would say, oh, God would never judge a, a good person or God would never be angry if someone was in love. A good God would never let, a good, uh, let someone suffer. We may hear these things or, or even think them ourselves and think that because I have an opinion on God, then my opinion is right and that God will accept it. But see, that kind of thinking is just really putting God in a box. God will do what I think is best. But how arrogant is that? It is why we need revelation. It is why God needs to reveal himself to us so that we can know the truth and know what things are actually like. Today, people will respond to Jesus in so many, so many different ways. People might assume they know because they've, they've grown up in a, in a Christian family or, but don't believe. There are others who might offer lip service. Yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but it's really not seen in their life. Others will outright reject and, and hate Jesus and yet others believe. As, as believers, we, we need to be aware that, that the people around us will have different views about Jesus. We can't just assume that everyone is, is the same. And in light of that, we will have different conversations depending on the person, depending on, on where they are. We need to ask some questions to find out what they really think. What do they really know? You see, our role as we speak about Jesus is to help people see God's revelation. People need to humble themselves and investigate God's revelation for themselves to weigh up that evidence. Because God sent Jesus that we can know him. And again, like we saw last week, Peter said, where else can we find the words of eternal life? It is only through Jesus whom God has revealed himself to us. People see Jesus in so many different ways, but there is truth. And there is a right way to know God. And it's through God revealing this to us through his son. And so it all comes down to what we'll do with it. It's kind of like two men who are walking beside the sea. And one guy kind of looks out across the ocean and sees a light flashing. He's like, oh, look, check it out. Uh, A light's flashing there. And the other guy stops and really like really zones in and looks across at that light and says, oh, that's actually an SOS. Someone's in, someone needs help. It is a call for action. You see, one understands the meaning of the light and the other does not. 
and it is the same for us. What will we do with the light of Jesus that has shone into the world? He is God's revelation to us and his knowledge is in front of us today. We must acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the the bread of life, the, the living water and come to him for eternal life. Let's pray. Almighty Father God, we give you great thanks for our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. We give you great thanks that he has in his actions and signs and the things he's done, he's revealed himself to be uh, God himself, God in the flesh. And yet he's received so differently by so many people. We are so grateful for the way that you have revealed that truth to us, that we have come to know that he is the Messiah and believe. And so we pray that you would help us. Father, help us as we chat with our friends, our families, our neighbours who have various views on Jesus. Use us, we pray, to reveal Christ to them, that they too may have life and live. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.